All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to Monster Soundwave, an unofficial D and D podcast. It is that special time of year where we just want to rock and roll all night and play D and D all day. But uh, today we are going to talk about our next class as we kind of break down all the classes as they are now. We're going to be talking about the Bard today, our favorite musical uh or dancing or singing or performing class i'm your host robert snow and with me today as always is evan barton hey, how's hey, it going hey. evan how it's going that's what i'm talking about man uh so fun things today uh strixhaven uh curriculum of chaos came out today um or as our friend Patrick put it, Harry Potter, the RPG. Um, not to be confused with, I think I'm sure there's a Harry Potter RPG out there. Do you think? They would have to be. I'm going to look it up. Let's see. Oh, the Harry Potter me. D&D version, at least, is Strixhaven. That's true. Exactly. I'm not seeing anything out for it, so uh, maybe not. Anyways, Strixhaven, a.k.a. Harry Potter and D&D. Um, and we have our first arcane caster class that we're breaking down. Uh, we talked about the Barbarian last week. One thing we didn't talk about last week that I think we should try to talk about for each of our classes is... What do we want to see changed about the class in the new edition? And uh, I didn't have a lot for the Barbarian, except that I think that for all of these classes, I would much rather have three subclasses that feel fleshed out, like role-playing-wise, that the mechanics feel balanced and good and exciting. Rather than just have like, oh, there's seven different subclasses. By the way, five of them, you're never going to pick. That's what I would say for the Barbarian. It's just like, give us, I'd rather have three really good ones than eight. And and most of them aren't very good. Yeah. Um, or that are so niche that like, there's only one occasion when you would ever use it, like for one specific setting. Right. It makes me think of like, mounted combat classes in 3.5 where it's just yeah. like oh well that's really cool hopefully there's not any dungeons that a horse would struggle to like traverse because everything about your character revolves around using a lance <laughs> i had a character like that once mm -hmm. yep oh we're going uh, to do a dungeon well it's been a real game guys i guess i'll maybe make it a new character yeah might as well just roll up a new person. <laughs> um, okay, so uh the bard. Uh I as I was reading through this, I was like, the bard is kind of cool. Like they are a little bit like a rogue, a little bit like a wizard. They they have a lot of different jack of all trades type stuff which i really like they actually also have an ability called jack of all trades but mm -hmm. 
they really can fill a lot of different roles in the party depending on how they're built and as i was going through their subclasses i felt much more like i felt like they were in general more balanced i still have favorites and they're ones i'm like i don't know that i would ever choose this but in general it felt like hey there's there's some good balance here to these right um right. we'll get to those a little bit later and also it just the whole colleges system instead of like the primal path the colleges system feels like it adds a little more um flavor to the class overall com just when comparing it to the barbarian um it feels like a more fleshed out class to me but maybe that's just me i don't know um should we get into it i think we're good to dive into it or at least start trying to <laughs> all right so uh the bard gets a hit die of a d8 uh which is not like bad it's not terrible you know um it's not as good as the fighter or the barbarian but it's also not a d6 so it's got that going for them and then their starting proficiencies are they're proficient with light armor, simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapier, short swords, and then three musical instruments, which when you consider that this is an arcane caster, like they're proficient with a fair amount of uh of like tools and weapons, uh, when they also get like a fair amount of spell casting. So that's nice. And then their saving throws are Dexterity and Charisma. And then, this is probably my favorite thing about the Bard. They are proficient in any three skills at first level, mm -hmm. which really just gives you a ton of variety as far as what you want to be and what you want to do. I think that's one of the core things to me about the Bard is it's a class that maybe more than any other class can be what you want it to be right down to the spells you select and a lot of the subclasses and that it's a really good class to be if you kind of don't really want to know don't really know exactly what you want to do or you don't it's good for a party that maybe you already have like a tank and a healer and everything and you kind of just need you don't really have a specific role to fill or maybe you need to kind of fill a bunch of different roles and you can kind of use the bard to kind of stop gap a lot of different things and you can kind of pick spells and abilities and everything as you need them. And that's kind of always impressed me about the class. Yeah. And what we'll see when we get into the subclasses is that a lot of their different uh, like abilities that they get throughout the game, they're going to have even more of this kind of variety as far as what do you need to be good at? What are you going, what are you choosing to be good at? Um, and, and yeah, I think, you really hit the nail on the head there. So um, at first level, they get some spell casting, get some cantrips, um, get some first level spells. So we'll talk about we're going to save all of our spell casting uh, chitter chatter for the end of kind of the core stuff before we get into their um, before we get into their subclasses. And we're not going to talk about every spell that the bard can cast because as you'll see as we go through things it's very many um but the key 
ability of the bard. If if rage is the key ability of the barbarian, bardic inspiration is really the key ability of the bard. And so um when they use their bardic their bardic inspiration, they can uh use a bonus action uh for a creature that they can see within 60 feet of them and that creature can add a d6 to any one ability check attack roll or saving throw it makes for the next 10 minutes um they can wait to add the d6 until after they roll so for instance on an attack roll they could roll the dice and then decide to add a d6 but they can't know if their attack already hit or not um with the d6 or, or before they choose to roll the d6 and the bard can give this bardic inspiration away a number of times per day uh equal to their charisma modifier and they regain all uses after a long rest and then the type of dice that they give increases every five levels so at fifth it's a d8 at 10th it's a d10 and at 15th it's a d12 um so Bardic Inspiration, Evan, you want to give me some of your basic thoughts on it? What you like, what you don't like about it? Uh, what I like is it it's kind of always useful at every level. Um, it's always a great thing to throw to your players. Um, kind of always gives the bard something to do. That's kind of the one side of it. On the other hand of it, I feel like after a while, as well, it's useful. Um, it kind of becomes rote after a while, I feel like, that, yeah, you can roll and add things to it, but I, it'd be kind of cool if you could do more with it, which some of the subclasses do get into a little bit, like being able to burn Bardic Inspiration to do other things. Yeah. And I think what is cool with it is that it's not just an attack roll. It can be an ability check, an attack roll, a saving throw. So, like, maybe your party's, you know, in a combat and you want to buff the fighter up front, like, with their attacks and stuff, you can throw it on them. Or later, if you're having to do, like, a climb check, you have to climb up, like, a cliff face. Maybe you throw your bardic inspiration over to the wizard, you know, so that hopefully they can pass their climb checks as they go. Um so there's some variety there. And again, I think the best subclasses for the Bard are going to be the ones that let you get even more creative with your Bardic Inspiration and, and make it more powerful. So at second level, uh, the Bard gets the Jack of All Trades ability, and they get to add half of their proficiency bonus to any skill check that doesn't already include their proficiency bonus. So. They start with three skills plus a couple skills from their background. So you're probably looking at four or five skills that you're proficient in. All of your other skills, you still get half of your proficiency bonus. This is a really great, like, kind of static boost because it's something that every two levels, all of your skills, even if you're not trained in them, are you're going to be a little bit better at. And uh, nobody else in the game really gets that. So this is, you know. I think this is a great um, trait here. And also at second level, they get Song of Rest. Uh, if uh, So during a short rest, if a party spends uh, hit dice to gain extra hit points, uh, they're going to gain an extra die of hit points from the bard 
Uh, at second level, it's a D6. At ninth, it's a D8. 13th, a D10. And 17th, a D12. So second level, you get two things that are pretty cool that scale with you as you level up throughout the game. Uh, so, Evan, what, what do you got for thoughts on here? I mean, uh, it the Song of Rest is one of those things that is cool. But, I mean, it's... One of those, also one of those things that I don't see getting getting used a whole lot. I feel like it tends to be kind of an afterthought, um, especially. I just in general, it seems like um, I just at least whenever I've been playing a bard, it's one of those things that's like taking a short rest. Oh right, I have this this uh, song of rest thing. That's I mean it's useful, but again, it's one of those things that like you tend to forget that you have it a lot. I feel like that's just my opinion. Yeah, I. I would say that the bard, maybe even more so than the wizard, has to really look at their character sheet and really look at like what they um are like what their different abilities and things are because not only do they have spells right. and a lot of spells that may not be used during combat, they also have all these different abilities that it's like, hey, Everybody getting an extra D6 after a short rest is great, but you do have to remember to do your song of rest, you know, like, um, so I think that that's something that if the barbarian is a great class for people who are just getting into D and would say the bard is kind of like on the other end of like, yeah, played a caster before. Cause you might not want to have this be your first caster, Unless you've played a whole lot of D and D and seen other people do it, right? Um, at third level, everybody gets a Bardic College choice. Um, that's their subclass is what Bardic College they went to, and they also get uh, expertise. And so they choose two skills uh, that they are proficient in, and their proficiency bonus is doubled for those skills. So at second level, all of their other skills get a little boost. And then at third level, they get to pick two schools that they get much better at. I think third level is kind of one of those defining levels for the bard as far yeah, as really. like, hey, where am I going to go? What type of bard am I going to be? And, and that's kind of true for, for many of the classes in fifth edition. Absolutely. I think uh, you're getting into the meat and then you're, you hit it like you're getting into the meat of the class. Expertise. I mean, the college is the big thing, but expertise is also one of those things that's such a cool part about being the bard. Um, it's one of those things that, like rogues get it, I think. And it's just such a cool thing that lets you kind of really hone in on those two skills you want to be really good at, which if you're a bard, I feel like choosing performance kind of a given for one. Um, but then you also get to pick another skill that lets you again, like really hone in there. And again, like really kind of customize your character and kind of be, decide what do I want to be really, really good at? Yeah. Um, at fifth level, they gain font of inspiration. Uh, they regain all bardic inspiration after a short rest. So I think that's really good because, um, you want to be able to be throwing out your bardic inspiration as much as possible. Um, especially when we get into these kind of higher levels, it's like, you don't want to run out of bardic inspiration. You want to be able to have that for, you know, combats, for traps, for ability encounters. Um, 
So I think I think it's pretty powerful at fifth level to get that font of inspiration. Indeed. Um, yeah. So at sixth level, I think the bard gets quite possibly their worst ability of the game. I'm just going to say it. going to say it. This is their worst ability. Counter charm. As an action, play a song. You and allies within 30 feet have advantage against being charmed until the start of your next turn. It's one of those abilities that it sounds really good on paper. Like it sounds like a really cool ability until you see it in practice. The two things that kill it, in my opinion, are it takes an action to activate. That's kind of killing it right there. And then it's just advantage against being charmed. So, and it's just until the start of your next turn. So in order, because I mean, as an action, you're effectively nuking your turn to only give advantage. So if you wanted to make this a tenable ability, either A, you have to, you could, if you activate it as a bonus action, it still wouldn't be great, but it would be a usable ability. Or if you want to make it an action, but you have immunity against being charmed, that, because charmed is hands down the worst thing to be hit with in the game. Because one, you lose an ally and they become an enemy. And if you're playing a character, it's like, hey, you know, congratulations. You're now part of the enemy team, which isn't a great feeling. So having an advantage against that is great. But like only having advantage against it for having sacrificed your turn. And if you want to keep it up, you're effectively having to keep burning your turn. And all you have is advantage. Like you're again, you're basically you're sacrificing effectively everything the bard can do except for giving out inspiration for not a great ability right if it was something like as an action play a song you and your allies within 30 feet have advantage against being charmed for the next 10 minutes yeah uh, yeah right that'd be great because it's like cool i'm gonna burn my first action of the combat to make sure we don't get charmed or or to make it much less likely that we're gonna get charmed right or if it was like you have immunity from being charmed like you mentioned that would be good too but the way that it's written, it's like you have to guess when the enemy is yeah. probably going to try to charm the party and you're not even getting immunity to it. You're just getting advantage and advantage is great, but it's not worth being like, what did you do on your turn? Nothing. And then, by the way, the enemy just pulled out his sword and chopped at us instead. Like, right. So I did nothing on my turn. and that nothingness actually didn't help in any way. Yeah. So I think, I think this is probably if we're talking about what needs to change in, in 5.5 or fifth yeah. edition next or whatever they call it, counter charm has got to either get better or be replaced or something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just not good enough. I think it's a great idea, but as written, it is completely untenable. And I feel like if you're using it, it's because you literally have absolutely nothing better to do. And it's a sign that combat has gone completely off the wire because if you're like, you should have better options than counter charm. Right. Exactly. Even at sixth level, you should have better options right. than counter charm. You know, it's not like something where it's like, well, yeah, obviously at 10th level, you're going to have something better, but even at sixth level, it's like, you probably have something better. Even um, attacking might be better than counter charm, to be right. perfectly honest. Like, like attacking with your your you know long sword or your hand crossbow might be a better play than 
throw a down counter charm. Because <laughs> also, it's only effective if the enemies that you're facing have some kind of charming. Effect, right. You know, which, you know, maybe if you're playing in the Feywild, a lot of creatures have that or... I don't know. There's maybe a couple of places or a couple types of enemies, but or reality. Like, if you're fighting like a recurring enemy who you know has the charm ability, but like if that recurring enemy knows you have counter charm active, they're not going to use charm, like or they're going to target the bard who's doing counter charm. So, in the best case scenario where you're guaranteed, you know that an enemy is going to, you know use charm and you know they're going to use it repeatedly and you activate the counter charm congratulations you just became the target so in the right. best case scenario all you've done is put a target on your back and you are a pretty squishy target as a bard <laughs> you're you're like you're you're not as squishy as the wizard but or, or like but like only by a little right yeah you're you're like the second most squishy of yeah like if there's four tiers of squishy, you're pretty low on the on how squishy you are. Right. Um, at tenth level, uh, you gain another expertise, so you get to choose two more skills that you double your proficiency bonus with. Uh, so that's a that's pretty nice. This is the only class that gets expertise twice, I believe. Um, Rogue might, but I am pretty sure that this is the only one. And then uh, at 14th level, uh, you get maybe the best bard ability, I would say. Uh, or, or perhaps the most interesting, which is Magical Secrets. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry, you get that at 10th level at also. 10th level, that, and you get it at 14th and 18th again. Right. So Magical Secrets at 10th level is choose two spells from any class. They are bard spells for you, and you learn... And so um, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, like, the ability to just flip through the book and find two spells, and boom, they're yours. Yeah. Um, and then you get to do that two more times at 14th and 18th level. This is what I would say really like can take the bard to being even more competitive, like in that kind of second and third tier of the game, or really that third tier is the fact that it's like, hey, you know, you may not be an evocation or an evocation wizard, but uh, you, you can pick up two classes from them, or you may not be a warlock, but you can pick up two of those high level warlock spells if you want, right. um, which can, can really buff them. And again, because you can pick any of them. I mean, you could pick two cleric spells, right. you know, um, you yeah, know, cure wounds it, and raise dead. Right. It's kind of like y you pick the spells that, that your party needs or that your character needs to be more effective in, in combat or in, you know, the social part of the game or or in a role playing sense of the game. So there's really um again, we're just we'll we'll see with the bard, especially as we get into the colleges, just lots of different options to you know, it never really feels like, oh, I'm locked into this type of path for my bard. Uh, because you can add these different things, you know, getting a second expertise. Like tenth level is kind of like 
hey like it it's almost like start a prestige class you know right. like it's like pick two skill two different skills that you're proficient in and grab two spells from where wherever you want so um pretty awesome i feel like um let's talk about 20th level because uh superior inspiration let me remind people what <laughs> what the barbarian got at 20th level and, and we'll just talk about if if these are anywhere close to the same barbarian at 20th level gets primal champion you embody the power of the wilds your strength and constitution scores increase by four your maximum for these scores is now 24 and i thought maybe that's not as strong as some of the other ones <laughs> but it's way better than this one which is Superior inspiration at twentieth level. When you sorry, go ahead. Oh, you wanted to, yeah. No, take it away. Take it away. At twentieth level, when you roll for initiative and have no more bardic inspiration, you gain one O N E one use of bardic inspiration. Yeah, it's so just that, <laughs> so that yeah that thing you already have a lot of when you roll for initiative. If you don't have any of them, you get. One more. That is your capstone. The thing you get for being a 20th level bard. That thing you get for maxing out this class. For being with it through level 1 through 20. Some classes, you know, like a druid gets immortality. The monk, like, gets, you know, timeless body. The, like, all these classes. Bard gets this. I mean, we're talking about you're getting 1d12. No. Here's the thing. If you don't run out of your bardic inspiration, you're gaining nothing. Absolutely like if you nothing. have a charisma of five, like let's say that you've already maxed your charisma to 20, right? So you've got a modifier of five. Yeah. You've got five bardic inspirations. You're already regaining them after every short and long rest. So you're, you're talking about like you're gaining one D12 bonus when you roll initiative. I just don't know where that comes from. Like <laughs> that reads like they were working on the class and that they got to 20th level and they literally couldn't think of anything. And so they came up with that. But like, I don't you know. Can I say, like, like, what if it was like, hey, buff your charisma by two and it can go right. up to 22 at this point and or, and you regain, you know, one, you know, one bardic inspiration if you start a combat and have none left like right or like superior inspiration like at 20th level when you roll for initiative and have no more bardic inspiration you gain one use of bardic inspiration but it's a d20 sure yeah like that would be cool like you like you basically get a, like you give an advantage roll with your one in the use of inspiration if you burn through all of them that one's not great but it's better than the one that's in there now like or what if it was like Anytime somebody rolls a bardic inspiration die, they can roll two and choose the better. Like, right? You know, it's like, oh, okay. Now you're like, oh, I get to roll two d twelve and pick the better to add to this attack roll. Like, that's, that's way awesome. better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it that still might not be as good as a barbarian, but at least it's not just like this garbage. Like, whoop de doo, I'm level twenty. <laughs> like. Yeah, it literally reads like they came up with this because they couldn't think of anything better. So they came up with this as a placeholder and then never came back to it. Right. It's like they just forgot that, oh, yeah, we we're supposed to go back and add something to it. 
So, man, I I think the bard really shines at all levels up to 18th because at 19th and 20th, they essentially get nothing. So, like, there's there's no reason to... If somebody's like, hey, we're doing a one-shot at 20th level, it's like, just roll an 18th level bard and add some hit points. (laughs) (laughs) You do get spells. You do get spells. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna check this the bard spellcasting table. I don't know how many more spells you're getting at at twentieth level. I think you get like an extra sixth and a seventh, maybe, which don't get me wrong, like those are high level spell slots, so that's uh, nice, but like is it but is it compare? Because I mean like cause I'm gonna check and see what a twentieth level wizard gets for comparison. They're getting one they get one seventh level spell slot extra. That's it. So they're getting one seventh level spell at level twenty compared to level nineteen. This is this is really, you know. Now that's the same benefit that the wizard gets as far yeah. as the number of spells. Should we go ahead and spoil the wizards like um level twenty like what they get at level twenty. Cause yeah, like, I mean, we, let, we let's just do it. The comparison, yeah. We've got like fifteen weeks before we're gonna get back to this, Right, so. yeah. Um the wizards level twenty is when you reach twentieth level you gain mastery over two powerful spells and can cast them with little effort. Choose two third level wizard spells in your spellbook as your signature spells. You always have these spells prepared. They don't count against the number of spells you have prepared, and you can cast each of them once at third level without expending a spell slot. When you do so, you can't do so again until you finish a short or long rest. If you want to cast either spell at a higher level, you must expend a spell slot as normal. Uh, I would say that that's like also not great, but it's better. But it is better because it's yeah, it's picking you're essentially getting two extra spells that you can cast right. at will and don't have to prepare and so it's it's definitely better than the bard so absolutely we may find something worse than the bard but as for right now that bard has the worst worse. level 20th ability i still think they're like an amazing class but oh I yeah just... they're, they're they're my favorite class but like they have a garbage 20th level ability yeah all right. Um, so we said we would talk about some spells, um, and the bard gets some some pretty cool spells. I think some of the things to remember about being a bard is uh, think about what other party members are in your group, because you are a charisma based caster, and so um, if you have a sorcerer and a warlock and a bard, you're all going to be using your charisma modifier a lot. So. That's something to think about. And uh, you they are a full progression caster in 5e. Now, were, yep. they, were, were they a full progression caster in 3.5? They were not. They were a half caster. Okay. So, so they've kind of gotten a boost there. Um, they get cantrips, uh, which are... Basically, spells that you can cast anytime. You don't have to prepare them or anything else like that. And you have unlimited usage of them. 
some of the ones that I think are probably like that could be used regularly would be things like prestidigitation or minor illusion. Uh, those both kind of uh, like either create like something that could distract somebody um, or, you know, kind of, kind of uh, like, like change how things are appearing. And then uh, vicious mockery is probably one. I don't know. Do you think that that's like a staple for bards or is it just a really fun thing for bards? I'd say it's both. Um, so we'll read that one. We're not going to go into all of their spells because they have a ton a that they could pick from. Um, but here's Vicious Mockery. You unleash a string of insults laced with subtle enchantments at a creature you can see within range. If the target can hear you, it must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 1d4 psychic damage and have disadvantage on the next attack roll it makes before the end of its next turn. The spell's damage increases by 1d4 when you reach 5th, 11th, and 17th level. So, not a, like, this has, this is such a bard thing, you know, you're, you're William Shakespeare insulting uh, some creature. They're going to take some, some emotional damage and also, they have disadvantage on their next attack roll. So um, I really like that one for like the flavor of what I think maybe your classic bard, not to say that every bard has to be that way, but I, I really like that spell from a like from a flavor standpoint. Right. A um, couple hey, of things. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Say, it's just that classic image of the bard literally possibly insulting someone to death. And it's, you know, it got a great utility too of giving, like, it doesn't do great damage, but, you know, just giving disadvantage that in and of itself can be such a clutch move, especially with a cantrip, which you can do at will. Yeah. And uh, I will say that uh, if you want to be somebody who's like throwing all kinds of magical attacks at people, um the bard may not be the way to go i think that you might want to play a warlock or a sorcerer or a wizard um because you're going to end up doing a lot more that either helps your allies or um hurts your uh hurts your enemies but not necessarily dealing damage to those creatures um you know they they can get things like cure wounds and healing word. They can get things like bane, uh, which will you know subtract from enemies' uh, uh, saving throws and things like that. Um, they do get some fun things that like Tasha's hideous saving throw. They fall to the ground prone and are incapacitated. Which uh, in our Curse of Strahd game, the bard almost uh took strad out in one of our earlier like meetings with him by just constantly cashing casting tasha's hideous laughter at him um which was really funny but strad still got away at that point but that was i would say that was one of our more like epic scenes if i think back through that year-long campaign so um they do get power world word kill at ninth level but remember that all bards 
at 10th level, 14th level, and 18th level get their magical secrets and can choose two spells from any class, they are bard spells for you. So um, if you're somebody who doesn't like making choices, I would say that probably being any spellcaster is not going to be like a ton of fun for you because you're going to have to look through like a hundred spells over the course of your game. But um, if you're a bard, you're going to be looking through possibly what, 500 spells? Yeah. I don't know how many spells there are for 5th edition now, but between the Player's Handbook and Xanathar's and Tasha's Cauldron and, and all the other books, you're talking about a lot of spells that you have access to as a bard. Um, any particular spells that you wanted to call out uh, that you feel like really fit with the bard or that you think are kind of a staple spell to pick up? Uh... Well, you know, it's not a specific bard spell, but the one I would always recommend that every spellcaster pick up, no matter what class they are, if they have it in their spell list. And if you're, and, you know, and if you don't, um, I'm, I'm 99% certain it's already in the bard spell list, but it's counterspell. Mm hmm. Yep. Just yeah, you want to you, you be able to have, you want to be able to shut down enemy spellcasting as much as you can. Yeah. And again, that fits right in with kind of the bard's role as being somebody who can can harry their opponents and enemies while the rest of the team kind of goes in for the kill. Right. All right, Evan, are you ready to talk about college? I'm ready to talk. Go dig into the, you know, those old college days of yore. And I believe we're starting with the College of Lore. College of Lore from the player's handbook this is the most vanilla mm -hmm. class and also i think still kind of good um so i'll do third level you want to take sixth and 14th for this one sounds good all right so at third level you get bonus proficiencies you become proficient in three more skills which now means that you're looking at eight skills maybe that you're prof eight or nine skills that you might be proficient in at this point uh between all the different things that you've had so that's just a great general <laughs> bonus and then you also get cutting words after a creature within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll ability check or damage roll you can burn a bardic inspiration die and subtract the total from the creature's roll so again we're always talking about harrying the enemy or or you know, dis dislodging the enemy's plans and uh, cutting words fits right into that at third level. And then sixth level, you've got the additional magical secrets, which is such an amazing ability, especially keeping in mind if you're a regular bard, you don't get it till 10th level. But if you're a lore bard, you get it at sixth level. So you get it four levels early and you get two spells from any class. And, you know, at sixth level, you're talking about, you know, you can pick up um potentially you know fireball and lightning bolt at sixth level and you know you're you might be a bard but you know you could put on a pointy hat and everyone might think you're the wizard or you know you can pick up mass healing word or you know whatever the party needs which is the cool thing like you know if you're looking for somebody who wants to be able to cast a lot of different spells lore is a pretty solid choice 
Um, and then moving on to 14th level, you get Peerless Skill. You can burn a Bardic Inspiration die to add the roll to an ability check that you made. And then kind of going off of the uh, the three proficient, the additional being proficient in three additional skills, that uh, Peerless Skill, so if you want to have be have a lot of different skill options as well. So I think overall, Lore is actually one of the stronger uh, Bardic College options, where if you don't really know what you want to do as a Bard, Lore is always a great option, just because you can do a lot of different things with it based on the proficiencies you choose and the spells you want to choose. It's just a really like solid option. Yeah, it... It it probably gives you the most versatility out of out of all the Bardic colleges because again it's just like get some new skills, get some new spells, become you know, now you can use your Bardic inspiration on yourself. Right. Um Yeah, I, I, I think that it's when we're talking about the PHB, man, this is this is a really cool college. Um and especially, you know, if you're starting out you don't want to buy all the different books or whatever. This is still like a very solid subclass. And and I would say it's solid compared to most of the subclasses across all the different, um, you know, classes within the right. PHB, um, not just for bards, but in general, it's like, Hey, three skills, two spells, and then, uh, you know, a couple bonus abilities there. Not, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Also in the PHB, We've got the College of Valor. Um, and so at third level, you gain some bonus proficiencies with medium armor, shields, and all martial weapons. And you also gain combat inspiration. A creature that has a bardic inspiration die from you can add it to a damage roll. So normally it's just ability checks, uh, uh, saving throws, and attack rolls. With this class, they're able to add it to damage rolls. Or when they are attacked, they can use their reaction to add the roll to that that creature's um, armor class against the attack, which is also really great. So, you know, you become more fighty by getting better armor and better weapons and stuff. And you're also your bardic inspiration now can can buff damage or AC. And I think buffing AC is something that can be really powerful. Yeah. Um, just because there aren't as many things that can buff it uh, right. in the game in, in 5th edition. Yeah, that is that is a critical thing. I mean, AC is one of the things that doesn't change a whole lot from, like, really, your AC is going to be about the same from level, really, like, level 3 or 4 to level 20, really. It might go up by maybe two or three points in between there, depending on what magical items you get. Like, if you have an AC of, like, 18, you're probably not going to see it go much higher than, like, 19 or 20. Maybe by the end of the game. Depending, again, you know, maybe buffing your decks or, like, getting a ring or an enchanted suit of armor or something. So being able to add a Bardic Inspiration die to your AC could be hugely critical. Because again, like 5e with bounded accuracy, like being able to take your AC, like say it's 18 and being able to roll like a D10 and add a 6 or a 7 to it, that's going to block all like most hits. I mean, that's such a critical thing. Yeah. Yep. And 
and you know especially when you're talking about blocking those those higher level creatures like yeah. even though you get this at third level remember bardic inspiration die increases right each level so you know adding a d10 at level 10 is uh you know that's that's pretty powerful right. you know especially you know if a boss monster doesn't hit it doesn't matter that it does 40 damage you know when it does hit right so um pretty pretty good stuff there uh what do they get at 6th and 14th level there evan at 6th level you get extra attack you can attack twice instead of once when you take the attack action which is pretty standard at this level like i think although i think most of the martial classes get it at fifth level so at sixth level extra attack um you know what i mean if you want to build like a fighty bard it's a decent little thing and then at 14th level much more impressively you get battle magic which is when you use your action to cast a bard spell you make one weapon attack as a bonus action um combining that with maybe having some uh blasty magic from like the wizard spell list or having some damaging spells you could do some um impressive damage potentially so um that's kind of cool um and i think those make valor kind of an interesting class i don't think it's one of the stronger bard subclasses but i mean i don't think it's terrible either if that makes sense yeah i i think valor is definitely a little more niche but i could see something where if you're in a party that has a sorcerer and a ranger and a wizard and a fighter that maybe this valor you know class makes it so that you can be a little more frontliney with that right. fighter um and be able to hold your own a little bit more because you've got slightly better armor and you know you can you can drop that um bardic inspiration for damage on the fighter or something so you know, this is one of those things where it's like, oh, we can't have a party of all spellcasters. But, you know, maybe if somebody's a Valor Bard, uh, you know, maybe it works there. But right. it's definitely not as ubiquitous as the College of Lore. Right. But it, it, there's nothing in here where I go like, oh, I hate this class. Right. You know, like like if somebody was like, oh, I'm a Valor Bard I could, in, in this campaign, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like, tell right. me about it. You know, like, I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's it's not a bad class i mean i think it is a solid class i mean it's just you know it's I, i'm trying to think you know is it a class i would play it's yeah maybe i mean i think under that circumstance where you know maybe if they're like maybe if the party needed somebody who needed like needed an additional fighty type person i could i could see that working so yeah yeah um all right, so next we're going to get into, uh, I will say this about the Bard. Every book that they release new subclasses in, the subclasses get slightly more complicated as, yeah. as you go. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get to the last class here. Um, but right now we're in Xanathar's Guide, uh, the College of Glamour. Uh, so at third level, you get Mantle of Inspiration. As a bonus action, spend a Bardic Inspiration die, and up to your Charisma modifier of characters within 60 feet of you gain five temporary hit points. They can, as a reaction, move up to their speed and not take attacks of opportunity. Um, you also get Enthralling Performance. Play a song for one minute. Charm a small crowd up to your charisma modifier if they fail their wisdom saving throw. They won't fight it. So, and if 
if they fail their saving throw, they won't fight for you, but they talk about how awesome you are for one hour. And you can do this once per shorter long rest. I don't see a lot of benefit to the mantle of inspiration unless you have accidentally wandered into a high level area and everybody needs to run away without getting hit. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the one thing that I see as just like, oops, we were not supposed to come here. Like we all need to run away and not take attacks of opportunity while we do it. Like, um, but, but I don't know how much, like, unless you get ambush. I mean, I see some places for mantle of inspiration, but, um, it's not something that I feel like you're going to use a lot. That being said, enthralling performance is a great, like, social skill, right? Um, or social ability, you know, when you're, when you're talking to the king or when you're, like in the tavern trying to get the town to like you or something. I feel like it fits, you know, kind of that uh, performance like uh, type uh, trope. I don't want to say trope, but, you know, bards are performers and they're like, you know, hey, everyone, listen to my song. Like, uh, and I feel like this ability kind of plays into that role-playing aspect of a bard. So the I like PT that. Bar, like the PT bard, I'm like working in the crowd, like, you know. Right. You know, like, like, like the showman, like getting everybody enthralled, and you know. Right. So a little more social. Uh, third level, uh, it is it is what it is. Yeah. Um, You want to take sixth level, and I'll do 14th. Sounds good. Mantle of Majesty. Cloak yourself in Fey Magic as a bonus action. You can cast Command without expending a spell slot for one minute. You can cast Command on each turn as a bonus action during that time without expending a spell slot. Any creature charmed by you automatically fails its saving throw against the command you cast with this feature once per long rest. So, I think this is pretty cool. Like, you yeah. know, you, you have to charm you don't have to, but the fact that they don't get a saving throw if you've charmed that creature already is really nice. And then you get essentially uh, like, you know, 10 rounds ish of combat where they're under your control uh, is pretty good. Like, you know, we've talked about how charm is a pretty awesome uh, like, or it's something that is really bad to happen to the party. Right. Like, so if you're able to pull this off, uh, I think there's a lot of benefit to it. And again, it's something that can be used in kind of social encounters and also be used in a combat situation in a pinch. So what do you think about this? Is it, Do you like it? Do you not like it? I think it's one of those things, too, where like in command is kind of one of those tricky things where it forces you to think, because as I recall, command, I believe, is just one word. So you have to kind of uh, think and like realize, okay, how can I like get this, you know, creature to do what I want in just one word? And so you I mean it forces you to be creative a little bit, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, it's it's a neat little ability. I don't think it's necessarily great, but I don't think it's really bad either. Kind of run of the mill or you know, middle of the road. Right. So it gives you. You speak a one-word command to a creature you can see within range. Um, they give you some 
typical commands um, to approach something, drop something, flee, halt. Um, when you cast a spell using a spell slot of second level or higher, you can affect one additional creature. That doesn't come into play with this uh, ability here. Right. So, um, you know, it's it's not as good as like a like a curse of Strahd charm on somebody, but it's right. uh, you know, it's also not a uh, it's not terrible. Right. At 14th level, they get Unbreakable Majesty. Once per short or long rest, as a bonus action, you consume a magically majestic presence for one minute. For the duration, whenever a creature tries to attack you for the first time on their turn, they must succeed on a charisma saving throw. On a failed save, they must choose another target or the attack is wasted. On a success, it can attack, but it has disadvantage against all of your spells until the start of their next turn. This is like pretty cool, but I'm gonna tell you that the the glamour subclass is not something that I would pick. No, it's and the unbreakable majesty I think is one of those things that looks pretty cool on paper and it sounds pretty cool, but I feel like in play it would be a lot less impressive because it's once per short or long rest, and it's really it's just kind of one attack. And the nice thing about it is whether you know they succeed or fail it kind of still does something which is neat but i mean it's just as a class i mean it's just not terribly impressive and here's the thing you're already really good at a lot of your skills right. um just from the regular bard you've already got a bunch of spells and so when i look at these compared to the two in the php i'm like well this one kind of has some like some trickery type stuff in it but it's not it doesn't it doesn't feel trickery enough you know like it right or trickstery enough you know it, it's it's like yeah like i get what they're going for but i just for me it doesn't it doesn't make me go like oh yeah that that sounds like a cool thing to play like, right all right uh Next up is the College of Whispers from Xanathar's Guide, um, a.k.a. I'm a bard who wants to be a rogue, uh, but um, <laughs> we'll talk through this one. So uh, at third level, they're they get two abilities at third level. Um, the first one is Psychic Blades. When you hit a creature with an attack, you can burn a bardic inspiration die to deal an extra 2d6 damage. You can only do this once per turn. The damage increases to 3d6 at 5th, 5d6 at 10th, and 8d6 at 15th. So I feel like this is pretty good. Um, you know, it, especially if, if what the party needs is somebody who can deal out some extra damage. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that this is like... I mean, it's certainly not terrible to be able to add some damage to your attack rolls. But again, you're you're burning those Bardic Inspiration dies. You probably, at third level, have three of them. You know, maybe four, depending on, uh, you know, what you ended up with. But you're not going to be able to do this every turn. Right. I feel like. So I, I think it's all right. Yeah. Um, 
Do you want to do uh, Words of Terror? Okay. Words of Terror. If you speak to a creature for one minute, you can force it to make a wisdom saver, be frightened of you or another creature for one hour or until that creature attacks it or its allies. Once for a short or long rest. So I think this is strictly a role-playing ability. And it's a decent one. Um, you have to speak to a creature for one minute, which I think is the kind of the thing that relegates it to strictly role-play or strictly social encounters. And I think it's kind of one of those things that Maybe you're going to use it like a handful of times in a campaign, but um, it's also you have to you just make it force it to make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of you, which that's going to cause. I feel like that's also going to cause a lot of problems, too. So, I mean, it's one of those things that, again, that sounds kind of cool, but you're not going to use it maybe as much as you think you are. Yeah. Um. OK, so uh, the next two. Uh, mantle of whispers that you get at sixth level is uh, basically when a humanoid dies within 30 feet of you, you can magically capture its shadow using your reaction. You retain this shadow until you use it or finish a long rest. You can use the shadow as an action. When you do so, it vanishes, magically transforming into a disguise that appears on you. The disguise lasts for one hour until you end it as a bonus action. Basically, you know all of the different like uh, common information that this person would know, but you don't know their secrets. Uh, people can still make an insight check against your deception check uh, to try and discover it. Um, and you can only do this once for a shorter long rest. Again, this is something that I feel like uh, if you're trying to play like a no combat run through of a campaign, this would probably be really helpful in that process. Um, but you have to have killed the person or, or the person has to be dead, you know, um, and it has to die within 30 feet of you. So yeah. it it's not like, oh, we dug up a grave and mm -hmm. you're going to impersonate this person. Like, so it's for me, it's like it's got a couple too many caveats for what it ends up giving you right because you also lose the shadow after you take a long rest so it's not like oh we killed this town guard yesterday and tomorrow i'm gonna like you know impersonate him when i go in it's like again you already are really good at a bunch of different skills you and you get a bunch of spells, so maybe you just cast disguise self on I was yourself. Gonna say, yeah, like that. Or, and and you know, make sure that one of your proficiencies is in uh, you know, uh, deception. Or, yeah, yeah, deception. Yeah, I almost said bluff. <laughs> um, you know, so for me, it's like eh, this. This just doesn't feel like it gives you enough. Um, when you can already, if you want to be somebody who's like kind of into espionage or being a spy you can just do other things within right. the bard realm um at 14th level you get shadow lore uh, you can weave dark magic into your words as an as an action you magically whisper a phrase <clears throat> sorry um that only one creature of your choice within 30 feet of you can hear uh, makes a wisdom saving throw. Uh, and on a successful saving throw, your whisper sounds like unintelligible mumbling and has no effect. 
failed saving throw, the target is charmed by you for the next eight hours or until you or your allies attack it, damage it, or force it to make a saving throw. It interprets the whispers as a description of its most mortifying secret. The charmed creature obeys your commands for fear that you will reveal its secret, won't risk its life for you or fight for you unless it was already inclined to do so, grants you favors and gifts it would offer to a close friend. When the effect ends, the creature has no understanding of why it held you in such fear. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So, this is probably the most powerful 14th level ability. I just don't know if it's worth what you're getting at third and sixth level. And again, you're n- it's not as powerful as something that turns somebody like in, like it doesn't turn an enemy into your like ally who's going right. to go and fight for you. Um, and so that caveat uh, again, I, I've been saying caveat a lot, but you know, the rules as written there, it's like, Oh, like they're not it's it's good, but man, it's just not in that like great um you know level of ability. So I don't know. What do you think overall about the College of Whispers? I think it's a lot of good ideas executed kind of poorly. And it's just overall it's like I think kind of all of the Xanathar's guide bard classes are not terribly impressive. This of I think of the maybe I see I, I don't know like college I mean, it's just kind of underwhelming I mean it's not god awful but I mean it's not a class I don't think I could ever see myself playing either maybe if a DM said we're playing a 14th level class or 14th level game and I knew I got because like that 14th level ability it's it's not I mean it's decent enough and like I didn't have to like suffer through the other levels of the college of whispers. Right. That'd be the only occasion, and it, it was a one shot. So, just to you know, try it. That, that, right. <laughs> just... Talk about damning something with faint praise. That's about the only occasion <laughs> I would play it. Like we're playing a one shot 14th level game that I was guaranteed there would be social aspects to. This would be the class for you, yeah, right? <laughs> All right, let's talk about the last one from Xanathar's, the College of Swords. Um, you gain some bonus proficiencies, medium armor, and the scimitar, so not as much as you would gain from Valor. Yeah. Uh, at third level, you get a fighting style. You choose dueling or two-weapon fighting. Uh, dueling, you get a plus two bonus to damage rolls when you wield one weapon and aren't carrying another weapon in the other hand. And two-weapon fighting, you can add your ability modifier to the damage of the second attack. Uh, so a little bit more damage if you're doing two-weapon fighting. You also gain flourishes. Uh, so there are, uh, when you take the attack action on your turn, you gain 10 movement speed for the turn, and then use one of the following blade flourishes if you wish. So for defensive, you expend a bardic inspiration to add damage to your roll and add that number to your AC until the start of your next turn. Really good, except you have to burn a bardic inspiration to do it. Yeah. Uh, slashing, burn a Barnick Inspiration to deal extra damage and deal that extra damage to another target within five feet of you. Again, really good, but you've got to burn yeah. a Barnick Inspiration to do it. And then mobile, burn a Barnick Inspiration die, add the damage to the attack, push the target five feet 
plus the bardic inspiration roll, then you can move to an unoccupied space within five feet of that creature. Not very good, and you still have to burn a bardic inspiration to do it. So, um, I I love the idea of the blade flourishes, but again, it's like, well, if you make three attacks and use three bardic inspiration dice, maybe that's all your bardic inspiration for the entire, you know, combat. For for the rest of you know the day dungeon the day, um, at sixth level they get the extra attack attack twice instead of once when you take the attack action, and at fourteenth level master's flourish when you flourish you can use a d six instead of burning a bardic inspiration. Well, goodness gracious, here we are with a slightly worse combat oriented subclass, uh, compared to the College of Valor in my mind. Right. Yeah, it does get really cool at 14th level because yeah. uh, you just use a D6 instead of burning a bardic inspiration die. But that means that you went through 11 levels of yeah. burning bardic inspiration to do your flourishes. And so I just think at that point, it's just it's just not worth it, man. Like, right. Not when the College of Valor exists. Like, if you want to be a fighting say. bard. <laughs> and Go I mean- ahead. I was going to say, and, and, you know, what party member wants to hear, like, you know, like, or, you know, wh- what bard wants to be in the position of, like, someone in your party asks, like, hey, is there any chance you can give me a bardic inspiration? No, nah, man, I used my last one to use my crappy ability on my last turn, like. Right, because, I mean, and that's the thing is with, like, the Xenothar's Guide classes. Again, in, they're, they're, they're worse than the PHB ones. I mean, because either valor or lore like both of those would be much better choices than any of the xanathar guide classes right and swords i mean like you you, i mean it's we were saying a lot of the same things i mean it's it's a solid idea the blade flourishes are a great idea and the 14th level of the master's flourish that makes it a tenable thing it's a shame that you don't get it until you know you're three quarters of the way through the progression in the class And, and, you know, I'd say the same thing again. You know, if we're playing a one-shot that starts at 14th level, sure, I'd consider, you know, the the College of Swords bard. Otherwise, I mean, if I want to play a fighty fighty bard, I'm going to play the College of Valor bard. Like, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I mean, there's just, and that's that's my option because the other one, you know, just, it's not, I mean, I feel like it's going to be, it's it's, it's objectively a worse class. I mean, honestly, if, if you're rewriting this class, right? Like, so if, if somebody out there from, from Wizards of the Coast is listening and you're going to rewrite this subclass, sixth level, you get uh, expert flourish. And when you flourish, you can use a D6 instead of burning a Bardic Inspiration. That means you only spent three levels burning Bardic yeah. Inspiration instead of 11. Right. And then at 14th level, you get the Master's Flourish. When you use a Flourish, you can use a D10 instead of burning, or, or instead of a D6. Or your, right. your, you know, your D6 increases to a, your Flourish die increases to a D10. Like, and then all of a sudden it's like, cool, this is like another fighty bard class. But right. with the way that it's written now, it's like, why would you ever take this compared to the College of Valor? Right. Like, Valor gives you more proficiencies. Valor, like, like if like the fact that you only get proficiency in the scimitar and medium armor here, but with 
the Valor Bard, you're getting proficiency with meteor armor, shields, and martial weapons. Just all martial weapons. It's like, all right, well, <laughs> their sixth level is the exact same thing. And then 14th level battle magic, when you use your action to cast a Bard spell, you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. That's so much better than the flourishes. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll just... Sorry, Xanathar's guide. Yeah, what can you do womp. but shrug? <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> All right. Now let's brighten the mood and go to Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Um, so the College of Eloquence... The College of Eloquence actually first appeared in uh, the Theros book. Um, but it was... Tasha's Cauldron of Everything kind of like collected a bunch of different things and upgraded them and stuff. So here are your uh, here is the College of Eloquence. Evan, do you want to take uh, third level there? Sure. Silver Tongue. Persuasion deception checks roll that nine or lower. You treat as a ten. And then you have unsettling words. Bonus action. Burn a Bardic Inspiration. Choose a creature within 60 feet of you. The creature subtracts the number rolled from the next saving throw it makes before the start of your next turn. And both of those abilities are really cool, especially it's, you know, third level abilities. Persuasion and Deception, the fact that you don't ever have to worry about getting less than a 10, that's a really awesome ability. And you can get a lot of mileage out of those. I mean, all yeah, of them, like, you know, I remember like we're our Curse of Strahd game. Um, our friend Rob played a bard and got so much use out of both of those abilities throughout the campaign. Right. When you consider that at third level, you've got a proficiency bonus of two. And if you have a charisma of three, that means that you automatically pass all persuasion and deception of a 15 or greater. So pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, you know, we talked about one of the things that the bards is bar that bards are good at is making the enemies weaker and the fact that they can as a bonus action do that unsettling words and subtract a d6 or a d8 later on um from the next saving throw that it makes uh you know you can do that as a bonus action and then hit them with a spell yeah like tasha's uh hideous laughter or something like that where you know they're gonna have to make a saving throw it's just it feels like, oh, yeah, this is actually, this is good, <laughs> you know, like, right. And it feels very bardy, you know, it right, doesn't exactly. feel like the bard is trying to be a different class. It feels like, oh, this is the bard being really good at bard stuff. <laughs> um, All right, let me cover a uh, sixth level here. You get unfailing inspiration. Creatures keep their bardic inspiration until it helps them succeed. This is so powerful. Yeah. This is like the fact that instead of being like, oh, I rolled the D6, but I only got a one, so I didn't hit. Now that Bardic Inspiration is gone, it's like, I only got a one, I didn't hit. Guess what? Next turn, I'm rolling that D6 again like to try to help me. So I think that's really good. You also get Universal Speech. For one hour, a group of creatures up to your Charisma modifier can understand you no matter what language you, you they speak for one hour once per long rest or you can burn a spell slot to do it again i think that i think this is good like yeah. i think at six level you get something that's great in combat and whether it's a combat encounter or an ability encounter and then you also get a cool social uh like boon 
Um, all right, you want to take 14th level there? Infectious Inspiration. When a creature within 60 feet of you succeeds using one of your Bardic Inspiration, you can give it to another creature within 60 feet without expending a Bardic Inspiration. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your Charisma modifier and regain all uses after a long rest. So, really powerful ability. You basically just pass around Bardic Inspiration. Right. And people get to keep it until yep. they succeed. So, succeed. it's really good. And do you know what the only bad thing about this 14th level spell is? Or 14th level ability is? It makes the Bard's 20th level ability even worse. Because the yep. chance that you're going to run out of Bardic Inspiration die is... Almost zero at this point. <laughs> I, th I mean, this is a really good subclass, right? Did I lose you, Evan? Oh, I'm sorry. Apparently, I accidentally muted myself. I say it's a really good subclass, and the cool <laughs> thing I like about it is, it doesn't just feel like the way that College of Swords felt like a less impressive, like college of valor like this feels like a different school like a different college that it's not trying to be like the college of lore or anything like that it, but it still feels like a bard class and does like a little bit different things but it's still really cool and really powerful and has like its own flavor so i feel like this is definitely like it it's up there with those two of being like the better but like actually i would put this above college of valor like and up there with College of Lore as among the best of the Bard classes. Yeah, like like if this isn't the best, it's it's got to be in that top yeah. tier. You know, right. this is a like, top oh, you're three, thinking absolutely. about being a Bard? You know, make sure to read about this subclass. Right. All right, let's talk about the other one in Tasha's, which is the College of Creation. So at third level, uh, you gain an ability called Moat of Potential. When a creature uses your Bardic Inspiration, they gain a benefit depending on what they used it for. Um, if it's an ability check, they roll two dice and choose the one that they want. If it's an attack roll, the target must succeed on a con save against your spell save DC. If they fail, they take thunder damage equal to that Bardic Inspiration die. And a saving throw... A creature who used the Bardic Inspiration gains temporary hit points equal to their roll. So this is pretty cool because you're handing out Bardic Inspiration and then whatever they choose to use it on, they're getting some kind of bonus for it. Right. And they also get... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier with I wish Bardic Inspiration could do more cool things like this. That This is kind of what I was talking about with like being able to do like other neat little things with bardic inspiration where it's not just a static you roll and add which you know it's cool that you like you roll and add a bonus to, to you know whatever you're trying to do but like you other like neat little caveats with it which i think is a really cool thing for a subclass to do yeah um you also get performance of creation at third level uh you get to create an item equal to your bard level times 20 gold it lasts for a number of hours equal to your charisma modifier. It starts as a as you only being able to create a medium-sized item, but at 6th level it can be large, and at 14th level it can be huge. You can do this once per long rest, or you can bend a 2nd level spell slot on this. Um, 
So I like this because it doesn't burn one of your bardic inspiration dies. Yeah, right. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of places where like this could be beneficial. Like you're trapped in a cell. All right, you can create a key, or you know the the bad guys took all your weapons. All right, you can create a great sword and hand it to the fighter. Like you know, there's there's a lot that you can kind of do here and i mean so much in the social realm this is if you're kind of that creative person who wants to find creative ways out of situations this gives you a lot of um a lot of options i feel like right um all right at sixth level create a dancing item that lasts for one hour uh so you can you can pick any any item that you can see uh it basically becomes a construct. It has a stat block. Um, it has a slam attack. And also when enemies are within a certain amount of feet to it, it slows their speed. Their speed. Um, it also can increase your party speed. Um, and then once per long rest, uh, or you can spend a third level spell slot to create this dancing item. So I, I think that this is just one of those like, it's silly, but it's like create a dancing barrel of mead that also has a slam attack. <laughs> like, you know, I just I think there's so many different like ways that you can use this. And I think those creative people who latch on to the bard, they're going to find lots of fun ways to incorporate this into their game. What do you think about this one? Uh, I think it's one of those abilities that it's kind of in the eye of the beholder with if you're somebody who just wants to do like roll dice do damage cast spells that sort of thing and doesn't have you know like all mind for like creative problem solving may not be something you want to roll with but as you mentioned if you're somebody who likes to think outside the box think like you know think in you know four dimensions think about using objects and terrain and something like then this is kind of the class for you being able, you know, to use items and create things. And, you know, especially like the dancing item ability, I think is really cool. And so I think that's, you know, a key class to pick out. And especially that ability is really neat. And then 14th level, um, it makes you, you get creative crescendo, which makes your performance of creation even better. There's no maximum gold value to the items that you can create. You can create multiple items up to your charisma modifier. One of them at maximum size. The rest must be small or tiny. Um, I see a lot of benefits here. Uh, you know, you can become a cleric's best friend by creating diamonds right. um, for, you know, revivify or, uh, you know, raise dead or something like that. Um, Again, I th I think this is niche. I, d I don't yeah. think that this is as good as the College of Eloquence or the College of Lore, but I'd put it up there with Valor as like, yeah. hey, look, there's definitely a place for this in D&D. &D, right. You know, and, and I think that, like, I like what they've done with this class. Right. Um, so. I, and so, like, and like Valor, I could see myself playing this class. Um. I yeah I I think I would put this as probably if I was making a list 
if maybe number I don't know if I'd put it above Valor. I think I'd put it on the same level as Valor with, you know, depending on, you know, if you like if you're somebody who wants to do like a lot of fighting or something like that, I'd go Valor. But if you're somebody who wants to do creative problem solving, I'd go creation if that makes sense. And I'd say they're each about the same level of like quality of you know, if you understand if that makes sense in terms of sure. crunch. I'll say this. If nothing else, it's a well-written class. Right. You know, like, yeah. and it's like, okay, th there's a place for this. Yeah. I don't know that I would like to do this because I may just be like annoying my DM with like, wait, can I create this? Can I create that? Like, but you know, if you're playing like a silly campaign, um, yeah. I had a friend over tonight who was telling me that she's playing in a campaign, like a homebrew world that's based around like Disney. I feel like, oh, this would be like super fun to play, right. like in you know the Disney campaign, you know. Right. Um, so I think there's you know a lot of places where it fits in, um, or or could be fun. Right. And you mentioned an important caveat too that like you know a dungeon master needs to be down for like this kind of class too. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it, like it can get kind of annoying really quick if like if the, if your dungeon master is somebody who's going to get annoyed with like a lot of okay so what's in the room you said that there's you know how big is the chair and how many legs does it have okay now if the chair were alive you know how fast you know would you say it would be able to like and and some dungeon masters are cool with that and some are going to be like I don't know and, and right. so you I mean you like and it's and you know, and it's figuring that kind of stuff out too. And you know, and if you're a dungeon master and you're not comfortable with that sort of thing, you need to tell your party members that and be like, you know, hey, you know, maybe this isn't going to be the best fit. Or you know, you decide, okay, hey, you know, maybe I need to be more open about that. And that's you know, the importance of session zero, but that's a separate topic. Right. Or maybe you say like, hey, um, you know, you can do this, but here's the deal: when you yeah. do performance of creation, you can create. Uh, one basic item from the like you know equipment in the player's handbook don't be asking me if you can create an item from some you know obscure third-party book or something like that right. and then maybe you say like hey you're mickey mouse from fantasia when you create a dancing item it's a broom and it always does the same stuff because right. i'm i'm not you know trying to figure out stats and spacing and everything else for you know each item that that you see in every room all right we've got one more subclass to go through and this is the newest subclass i believe uh it is from van richten's guide to ravenloft uh so i'll take you through this one here we'll talk through it it like the um like the Wild Surge Barbarian has a table for one of its skills uh, or one of its abilities. So we'll talk through that, but we'll, let's just get into it. We just got, we got to power through this. All right. So uh, the Bard College of Spirits. At third level, you gain Guiding Whispers. You can reach out to spirits to guide you and others. You learn the Guidance Cantrip which doesn't count against the number of bard cantrips you know. For you, it has a range of 60 feet when you cast it. Kind of cool bonus cantrip. Like we said, bards getting bonus stuff that they can already do is fun. Yeah. 
spiritual focus. Uh, you employ tools that aid you in channeling spirits, be they historical figures or fictional archetypes. You can use the following objects as a spellcasting focus for your bard spells. A candle, crystal ball, skull, spirit board, or terracotta deck. Starting at 6th level, when you cast a bard spell that deals damage or restores hit points through the spiritual focus, roll a d6, and you gain a bonus to 1 damage or healing roll of the spell equal to the number rolled. That's kind of cool. Makes yeah. you a little bit better at dealing damage or healing people. Um, and then comes Tales from Beyond, still at 3rd level. You reach out to spirits who tell you their tales, who tell their tales through you. Or you're holding your spiritual focus, you can use a bonus action to expend one of your bardic inspiration and roll on the table spirit on the spirit tales table. Um, using your bardic inspiration die to determine the tale the spirits direct you to tell. Um, you can use an action to choose one creature you can see within 30 feet to be the target of a tales effect. Once you do so, you can't bestow the tales effect again until you roll it again. Uh, you can retain only one of these tales in mind at a time, and rolling on the spirit table immediately ends the effect of the previous tale. The tarot requires a saving throw. The DC equals your spell save DC. All right. <clears throat> and before I read all the things on the spirit tales table, I'm going to read the 6th level and the 14th level, and then we'll go back to the spirit okay. tales. Um <clears throat> And actually, we'll start with 14th level because it ties right into that table. Um, you have the ability to nudge the spirit. So this is 14th level. You get mystical connection. Uh, whenever you roll on the spirit tales table, you can roll the die twice and choose which of the two effects to bestow. If you roll the same number on both dice, you can ignore the number and choose any effect on the table. Very much like the barbarians uh, wild magic surge table and their 14th level uh, ability uh, at six level you get spirit session uh which is just like you and your buddies with a ouija board <clears throat> so uh you can conduct a ritual with a number of willing creatures equal to your proficiency bonus including yourself at the end of the ritual you temporarily learn one spell of your choice from any class uh once you perform the ritual, you can't do so again until you start a long rest, and you know the chosen spell until you start that long rest. So, pretty cool. Like we said, Magical Secrets um, gives you two spells from another class. This one gives you a little bit more that you have to do. Uh, you gain some temporary hit points. Um, oh no, sorry. You don't gain temporary hit points. You temporarily learn one spell of your choice from any class. That's kind of cool, because you can switch it around every long rest, which is nice. Um, now, the Spirit Tales table. Uh, so, if you roll... Now, it's important to note that even though you get this ability at third level, uh, your Bardic die doesn't increase until you get to other levels. So, right. some of these ones higher on the table you can't get until you get to a higher level so um one tale of the clever animal for the next 10 minutes whenever the target makes an intelligence wisdom or charisma check target can roll an extra die immediately after rolling the d20 add the extra dies number to the check the extra die is the same type as your bardic inspiration die 
two tail of the ran renan duelist you make a melee spell attack against the target on a hit the target takes force damage equal to two rolls of your bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier three tail of the beloved friends the target and another creature of its choice of its choice <clears throat> and can see within five feet of it gains temporary hit points equal to a roll of your bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier Tail of the Runaway, the target can immediately use its reaction to teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space it can see. Um, it can choose a number of creatures it can see within 30 feet of it, up to your Charisma modifier to immediately use the same reaction. Tail of the Avenger, this is a 5. Uh, for one minute, any creature that hits the target with a melee attack takes force damage equal to a roll of your Bardic Inspiration die. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, 6. Tail of the Traveler. The target gains temporary hit points equal to a roll of your Bardic Inspiration die plus your Bard level. While it has these temporary hit points, the target's walking speed is increased by 10 feet, and it gains a plus one bonus to its AC. I actually think that's, like, like really good. That yeah. might be one of the better ones on here. Seven, Tale of the Beguiler. So, again, this is now, I think, level five, at least, yeah. for this one. Um, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take psychic damage equal to two rolls of your bardic inspiration die, and the target is incapacitated until the end of its next turn. Tail of the Phantom, the target becomes invisible until the end of its next turn or until it hits a creature with an attack. The target hits a creature with an attack during this invisibility. The creature it hits takes necrotic damage equal to a roll of your bardic inspiration die and is frightened of the target until the end of the frightened creature's next turn. Uh, Tail of the Brute, so now we're talking about 10th level here if you roll a 9. Um, each creature of the target's choice it can see within 30 feet must succeed on a strength saving throw. On a failed save, a creature takes thunder damage equal to 3 rolls of your bardic inspiration die and is knocked prone. Creature that succeeds on the saving throw takes half as much damage and isn't knocked prone. A 10, Tail of the Dragon. The target spews fire from the mouth in a 30-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a dexterity saving throw, taking fire damage equal to four rolls of your bardic inspiration die on a failed save, or half as much on a successful one. 11, so now we're talking about 15th level or higher, higher Tail of the Angel. The target regains hit points equal to two rolls of your Bardic Inspiration die plus your Charisma modifier, and you end one condition from the following list affecting the target. Blinded, deafened, paralyzed, petrified, or poisoned. And 12, Tail of the Mindbender. You evoke an incomprehensible fable from an otherworldly being. The target must succeed on an intelligence saving throw or take psychic damage equal to three rolls of your Bardic Inspiration die and be stunned until the end of its next turn. Whoa. Yeah. It's a lot. Super random, I feel like. There's some really good stuff in there. One thing I will say is that I like that you can kind of hold on to the uh, to the focus. Yeah. Um, So you can you can hold the focus until you decide to use it. So it's not like, oh, it happens right away. Right. Some of those things, especially the healing stuff, it's like, well, you might not want to use that until you're a little bit deeper into the combat or whatever. Right. Um, and you choose the tail first, then choose the target, which is super nice. Yeah. Um, so well, what do you think about this subclass overall? I think overall, I think it's definitely the wordiest of all the Bard subclasses, because, I mean, holy crap, there's a lot of writing for this one. Yeah. 
Like there's more text here than like it's basically three subclasses worth of text. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's a bad subclass. I mean, it's just it's a lot. So the one thing that I think about for this is it kind of has this like darker feel to it. Yeah. Which is it, a little weird because the bard is supposed to be good at lots of different things. And yeah. this gives the bard a lot of different things that it can do, but it's totally random what you get, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, if you want to do healing, but oh, you roll the two, the tale of the renowned duelist, it's like, yeah, well, you're not healing anybody this turn. So I think there's a lot of good here. I think that in the right role-playing situation, this is a class that, that people would enjoy. But I think if you're looking at like a crunch scenario, this, this is not something you want to take into like a, no. a more like math hammery version of D&D. But it, it makes me think a little bit of, um, what was it? The, uh, like the College of Whispers, where it's like, yeah, okay, maybe there's like, you know, a place for this, um, you know, in a specific campaign. But I still think, you know, we've, we've kind of come to the end here. I think that if you're looking at, hey, what, what bard colleges would I recommend somebody look at if they're going to play a bard? I'd say lore and then eloquence and then valor creation. Right. And if they're like, well, I'm playing a bard in a domain of dread game, I'd say, okay, look at spirits. Right. All right. So we've talked about a lot of things here. We love bards. Um, any any final words about bards before we wrap up i think they're really they're my favorite class i think they're a really fun class to play and they maybe more than any of their classes are what you want them to be you can you know really custom with a spell list and with a lot of the abilities you choose and with a subclass make it what you want it to be and that's kind of what i love about them the other thing I love about them is third level all the way to 18th. This is a super fun class to play. Yep. First and second, eh. 19th and 20th, bigger, yeah. eh. Yeah. But you know what? You're not playing first and second for very long. And uh, if if you get to 19th and 20th, you're already really good at a lot of different things at that point as a bard. Yeah. So um, super fun class let's wrap this up next the next time that we're here we're going to talk about Strixhaven and hopefully over the break I'm hoping that we can do some special episodes uh, sometime in that like Christmas New Year's type time uh, we'll talk about we'll kind of have like some kind of year end celebration maybe we'll invite all of our friends and we'll see how many of them show up We'll talk about our favorite stuff from the five books that were released this year. We'll talk about what we hope to see from D&D next year and in the future. Um, and then 
uh, you know, we'll just talk about some of our favorite uh, Dungeons and Dragons gaming moments of the year. Um, and so those are kind of our next two episodes. Thank you all for listening. If you've made it this far, uh, we're thrilled to have you with us. And uh, make sure to tell your friends, tell your family. Like, if there are people who you know are into D&D, uh, share the podcast with them. Um, we will be back, Evan and I, in a couple weeks to talk about Strixhaven. I really feel like I got to read through this sucker because there, it's it's like a whole new campaign world with a bunch of adventures in it. And so I'm pretty excited about it. Ha- are you excited about Strixhaven, Evan? I am. That's good. I am. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all for us. Uh, we hope you all have a happy holiday season. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Indeed.